0: We are starting a brand new journey today, so great time to uh, be back in church, joining the church. We uh, are calling this little journey we're doing for the next uh, five weeks, seven weeks, I apologize. We're calling it Guardians of the Gospel. Now here's the thing. How many of you know Romans 1 verse 16? Famous verse. I'll give you a clue. It's Paul said, I am not ashamed. Do you know how the verse goes? Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is. The power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's not the message about the power of God. It is the power of God. This story, this message, this understanding that there is a new king and his name is Jesus. There is one who's broken the power of sin and death and Satan. And now all of those who choose to step under the rulership, the reign, the lordship of Jesus Christ will be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's why as guardians of the gospel... Our passion is to see the raw power of the gospel radically transforming any and every life, no matter what your background, no matter how bad your sin might be, when you put your faith and trust in the name of Jesus as your Lord, He radically saves. Amen? Now, come on, now you get excited and you say, yes, amen. That's what we bought into. Here's my frustration sometimes. Why is it then that sometimes lives don't change? Why is it then that sometimes people don't get radically transformed? Well, there's another verse that I want to read to you, which is concerning. It says in 1 uh, Corinthians 1 verse 17 as an example, it said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Yikes. Now, here's the thing. The cross of Christ itself could never be emptied of its power. It's the most powerful thing that ever happened in human history. But in our lives, the cross of Christ can be emptied of its power. In other words, if the gospel is not preached correctly according to God's word, if the gospel is not believed correctly according to God's word, then that potential power of the cross that should be radically transforming every life who believes can be robbed of its power. Now, as guardians of the gospel, we say, not a chance. (laughs) As guardians of the gospel, we want the pure, radical gospel that transforms lives. Amen? Amen. And sometimes the gospel we read about in Scripture is different to the gospel we sometimes hear on TV or we hear preached where it seems to be watered down and it's all about me and it's about my feeling good and Jesus doing... We want to get back to the authentic, powerful beauty of the gospel. We want to be guardians of the gospel. I want you to know some of the things that can detract or pull away from the power of God so that we can overcome them and walk in his victory. Amen. So what we're going to do is uh, over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at seven letters that Jesus wrote to seven churches who were drifting from the power of the cross. Instead of the church powering radically on, these churches were beginning to drift away from powerfulness into powerlessness. And Jesus, because he loved his church, he spoke to each of these churches, and he wanted to adjust and correct the power of the gospel in those churches so that they would be significant and powerful. And we're going to look at each one, and we're going to start off with the first one today, because I believe in every one of these letters There's something that we need as guardians of the gospel. There's something we need to learn to take hold of, to apply to our lives, because we don't want the cross robbed of its power. So if you're sitting next to your spouse right now, I want you to take their hand, please. There we go. There we go. Now, there's something intimate about holding hands. I mean, honestly, I mean, think about it. I mean, and it's not just just spouses holding hands. And I know some of you are not married yet. I'm watching you. (laughs) <laughs> but 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 actually i mean i 've got to uh my two boys are now Sam and Adam. They're now 19 and 17, and, and I mean, I love the fact that they've grown up now. But there was those times, like 10 years ago, when they, like, seven, eight, nine, and, and then you go to town, and then they like grab Dad's hand. And it's like I like that. You know, it's, there's something spe- there's something intimate about that connection of just holding hands. And, and sometimes you face a, a dangerous, a road crossing, or you walk into some of these load shedding suddenly, and suddenly it goes dark. Hold hands. Because there's that security, there's that intimacy, there's the connection that comes from holding hands. So Jesus goes into each of these letters, and every time he writes to one of the churches, he starts with a revelation of himself. This is huge. Because what we discover about the good news of the word of God, every breakthrough in our lives starts with a deeper and fresher revelation of God. God. We don't change because we've got more self-discipline or, no, no. We change when our eyes are opened to more of the wonder of who Jesus is. Because we created to reflect his glory. The more we see, the more we reflect. And so in each one of these letters before telling the church, I want you to adjust this or do that, first Jesus reveals something about himself. And in that revelation is the key to breakthrough. So I'm going to read to you, we've been reading out of the book of Revelation, don't worry, not the heads, horns, end times, this is a church that's going to be radical and overcome right to the end. So in Revelation, I'm going to back up from uh, chapter 2, and we're going to start actually in Revelation 1 verses 19 and 20, and this is now Jesus speaking to John, his uh, disciple and close friend who wrote down this book. And in verse 19, it says, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, let's start the first letter. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. Let me push pause for a moment. It's a bit strange that Jesus in heaven would write to a man on earth a letter to an angel in heaven about a church on earth. Kind of doesn't really make sense, does it? So sometimes we wonder about this word. Personally, that word is actually angelos, which means to the messenger. So really the letter is written to the messenger to the church. It might be an angel. But to be honest, it makes more sense to me, and many commentators would agree, that actually this letter is addressed to the messenger to the church, to the one who brings God's message to the church. That would typically be the preacher or the leader or the pastor who's responsible for bringing God's word to the church. Kind of makes more sense than Jesus sending a message to an angel via a man, doesn't it? So I want us to interpret it. This is actually to the leaders of the church, and it's for the church. So... Let me read the letter and then we'll break it down. To the angel or the leader of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him, Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary yet. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen, repent, and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, this you have in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You might be thinking, yo, what kind of a love letter is that? Actually, it's an amazing letter. Let's break it down. Firstly, there were two parts to the revelation that Jesus gives to the church, and you're going to see every church gets a different picture of Jesus. This picture, and we read it right in the beginning, it says, uh, these are the words of him, Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Why don't you put up your right hand quickly? There it is. Now, this is the picture. Those seven stars we just read, the seven stars are those seven angels, or the seven leaders. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is the picture I want you to see. You are leading, leaders in the kingdom. You are leading from the very palm of my hand. It's a beautiful thought. I mean, for me, the the platform that I lead from is is not a stage, it's not a pulpit. What a beautiful feeling to know, actually, we get to lead from the very palm of Jesus' hand. Now, here's the thing. You might think, oh, I want to be a leader. Well, good, that's probably the Holy Spirit. Then rise up and begin to lead. But more than that, every one of us as children of God. I want you to catch this revelation that Jesus holds us in the palm of his hand. So many people have this, this thought that, you know, God is up there somewhere. He's above the clouds somewhere. And yeah, we are struggling on earth. No. Remember, we are going to reflect the revelation we have of God. So if you have a revelation that God is somewhere out there, you're going to have a distant connection with God. But if the, by the Holy Spirit right now, it would break into your heart, you serve the Jesus who holds you in the palm of his hand. Let me just read some verses over you as examples in in Psalm 73, verses 23 and 24. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Come on. I want you to picture that. This is the God that we serve. Hold you by my right hand. You guard me with your counsel and afterwards you take me into glory. Psalm 139, 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you there. If I make my bed in the depths, you there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guard me, your right hand will hold me fast. Do you have a revelation, friends, that we live in the very hand of our God? Isaiah had this revelation, and it says in Isaiah 41:13, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Come on. I mean, how do you need to hear that this morning? God is saying to you, I take hold of you by the right hand. I am the God who holds you by your right hand. And I say to you, do not fear, I will help you. And if that doesn't get through, maybe verse 14 will. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob. Maybe encourage the person next to you. Say to him, don't be afraid, you worm, Jacob. There we go, bunch of worms. Anyway, do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer. Isaiah 42 verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. How do you feel? How do you feel? If you have held exactly, if you had, if you truly had this revelation, my God holds me in the palm of His hand. How does that make you feel? It it should make you feel secure and safe and love. For me, this is a picture of the intimacy of our God. He's trying to bring the attention. I'm not the God who sits up there in the sky somewhere far, far away. I'm the God who holds you in the palm of my hand. Second revelation, he says to them, to the seven stars I holding my right hand, and then he carries on, and he says, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, it's just been revealed in the previous verse that the seven lampstands represent the seven churches. Sorry, muses, I know I'm treading on uh, dangerous ground here, but I want you to picture these lampstands right here and we've got Outlook Church, we've got Community Church, we've got the Presbyterian Church, we've got the Baptist Church. Here's some churches in Richards Bay. And it says, I'm the one who walks among the lampstands. Isn't that beautiful? This, this, is, this is the Lord that we serve. And it says he's walking amongst the churches. Once again, not, not up there, out there somewhere. This speaks about the presence of God amongst his people. Now take... I mean, let me actually give you two scriptures quickly. I know we're going to run out of time today, but hopefully... The word of God will go in deep. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with you. I'm with you. I'm among you. Ephesians 2, 22, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit church, I want you to take these two pictures. Jesus is writing to the church and he's going to, he's going to rebuke them. But before he rebukes them, because he loves them, first comes the revelation. Now here's the revelation. Church, I'm holding you in my right hand. Church, my presence is right there amongst you. This is a picture of the intimacy that Jesus has with his church. Because now guess what he's about to say to the church? so why have you lost yours? That's what this message is about. Remember, the revelation is key to the breakthrough. First, we're going to reflect the revelation that we have. Now, listen to this, because it's amazing. We get to to the challenge, and in verse number four, he said, uh, no, no, let me keep on uh, reading from verse two. He says, I know your deeds, which is a little bit of an aside, but many times people come to the pastor and say, yes, pastor, I know that we're not married and we're sleeping together, but God knows my heart. How much we love each other. It's interesting because he writes about the heart. He says it's desperately wicked. And it says here, not. He doesn't say, I know your heart. He says, I know your deeds." Anyway, moving on right along. Just move quickly. Anyway, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. This church is doing well. Honestly, this church, when I look, their deeds are good. Their hard work's good. Their perseverance's good. They won't tolerate wicked. There's a, there's a strength. Many churches were getting that wrong. They endured hardship in my name. They'd not grown weary. This was a five-star church. This was a church that was powering and pumping and doing great things for God. And then Jesus says to them in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. Now, here's the big idea. The one thing that I want us to catch today, which is huge. Friends, we can cultivate a Christian lifestyle without being in love with Jesus. And that's the danger. That's the danger right now. Three things he highlights. Number one, we can have all the external signs of devotion. The signs of devotion. That means deeds, hard work, perseverance, discipline, commitment, policies, procedures, spiritual discernment. We can exhibit signs of love without being in love. We can cultivate a lifestyle of loving Jesus, but have stopped being in love with Jesus. And Jesus says, this is what I hold against you. On the outside, you're doing so well. Your deeds reflect devotion, but your heart is no longer intimately in love with me. Then this is, gets worse. Because then he says, and, and you've done it for the right reasons. You've endured for the right reasons. Here's he the challenge. We can do things for the right reasons, for his name. In other words, we can do something out of love for Jesus without being in love with Jesus. And that challenges me. Am I still doing it because I love you, Lord, or just because it's the right thing to do? And then he says, you've you've persevered and not grown weary. To not grow weary means you're keeping the tank full. And here's what challenges me. That means sometimes we can do the ministry stuff that actually fulfills us. I I can preach and lead, and and I love preaching. And even as I preach, it can fill my tank, even though it empties me physically, spiritually, it's filling me up. And you might serve, you might play music, you might make coffee, and, and you love that because you love serving the Lord, and it fills your tank. But are you still in love with Jesus? And I want us to catch. Remember, we're talking guardians of the gospel. This is radical. The gospel is designed to work when we love Jesus. What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Stop trying to be a good Christian. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Let your heart be consumed. Let the fire of love for Jesus, the one who holds you in his hand, who wants intimate relationship with you, love Jesus. I've served the Lord for 32 years. Haven't ever back sitting. Thank you, Jesus. That doesn't mean to say I'm still passionately in love with Jesus. That's the challenge. It's not how long you've served. Are you still in love with him? I've been in ministry 24 years, and to be honest, I really don't do this for the money. <laughs> but that doesn't mean to say I'm passionately in love with Jesus. I can preach five times a week, go on trips, travel, take hardships, all of that. That doesn't mean to say I'm in love with Jesus what about you? What are you doing? But are you truly still loving him? Let me land it uh, with a challenge. He says, so repent and do the things you did at first. It's amazing. I want you to think for a moment, some of you have been believers for a long, long time. And I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was 17 years old, And these were the days of Radio Council. Remember Radio Pulpit? This was before God TV and all of these kind of things. Now, you have to understand, I hated church. Church was the most boring place in the world. Never read my Bible, not interested at all, until I gave my life to Christ. And something inside of me, when it came alive, it's like this fire was lit inside of me, Jesus, and I fell in love with Him. And from never wanting to go to church, I began to reflect. Because I did engineering, and that vastly they'll tell you, make sure you study six nights a week, and da-da-da, and maybe you'll pass. Well, I began, and that didn't work like that. Because Monday night, obviously, was church soccer, and the church needs to socialize. And Tuesday, home group, obviously, we were there because it was free chow, and because it was duck people, you know? <laughs> And Wednesday, well, Wednesday was Bible school and leadership training. So that's where we were. Thursday, prayer meeting, and then the leaders meeting. Friday, I was leading the youth. So we'd have to go back to Howick to lead the youth. Saturday was a rest day, and you can't do vastly work on Saturday, obviously. And then Sunday was church in Howick, and then church back in Durban. That was the week. Passionate. Just, you didn't count the cost. It's actually, Jesus, I I love you, and I want to be doing what you're doing. Those were the days of LPs. Remember those, those vinyls? They See, they're coming back now. But someone came into the church and preached about how the devil was taking over rock music and it's backtracked and it's from the pit of hell. And, and I remember this passionate zeal inside of us, breaking all those records, smash them, bah, bind you in, maybe a little bit misguided. Point is, passion, the passion for Jesus. And now, uh, anyway, just the wonders. In 1 John 2 verse 15, It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Matthew 24, 12, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Tonight, what I'm going to do, if you want to come back this evening, we're going to be singing a whole bunch more homegrown songs. I want to look at what did this church do? When he says, go back to what you did at first. Well, Acts chapter 19, if you want to do some homework. Acts chapter 19 is the story of the gospel coming to the city. And just to give you a little glimpse, they were so passionate. They got kicked out of the synagogue, but that's okay. That's not just kicked out of a church. That's the centerpiece of their culture that they were willing to turn their back on because they love Jesus. It says they met daily for discussions. Every day. How often do you go to church? Every day. Passion. Not have to. Passion. It says, in this way, the word of God came to the whole province. Awesome. When people came from all over KZN and they heard the word of God at Outlook, amazing. Guess where they all stayed? In your houses. Think with me. He's saying to them, the whole province came to this city and heard the word of God. Yay, that's amazing. Guess where the whole province stayed while they came to hear the word of God? Your homes. Your homes. In other words, you gave up your spare rooms, your meals, you hosted every weekend. Your house was open house because it's not your house. It belongs to the Lord. Passionate. Seven, The seven sons of Sceva said, flip, Paul is casting out demons like Jesus did. Why don't we try? And so it says they went around trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Get out. And then the one demon popped out, beat them up. They go bleeding naked. It's a crazy story, but here's the thing. There's no sitting back and let's just be spectator Christians. No, no. There's this leaning forward saying, well, if it's in the Bible, let's try. Let's try. Let, let's do it. There's, there's not this conservative holding back passion for Jesus. And see, there was such radical repentance. People openly confessed their sins. When last did you confess a sin to someone else? I'm struggling in this area, Lord. This is wrong. I need to be accountable. Passion for Jesus. It says they brought, they were into all kinds of witchcraft, so they brought their scrolls and they said, Let's burn these things. None of this, let's sell them on eBay. No, we are burning these scrolls. And it says the value of the scrolls, this is the bonfire, was 50,000 drachmas, which we know is about 10 million rand. That would build the wall pretty quick. <laughs> they t- that's an expensive bonfire. Someone light that match. That's 10 million rands worth of bonfire right there. What's the point? Passion for Jesus. Passion for Jesus. I'm not worried about inconvenience. not worried about paying the price. not worried about me. I'm in love with Jesus. So he wraps it up right at the end. And he says, if you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from the mantelpiece. Can you imagine when... We, we get so into our duties and our deeds and our hard work and we, we stop being intimately in love with Jesus. And Jesus said, well, listen, this is the result. I'm just going to put you here as a church and I'm going to keep on walking here. What does it mean? Does it mean the church closed? No, no, church is still going. Does it mean they still sing on Sunday and pre? Yeah, oh, they do. But what does it mean? It means that there's no more presence of Jesus in the church. The church has lost the intimacy of the presence of God and lost its impact. It should be shining from the mantelpiece, not sitting down in a cupboard. How many churches have fallen into that trap? This church eventually fell into that trap. Why? Because duty was up here, but intimacy with Jesus was down here. We've got to keep intimacy higher than that sense of duty. And so he says, whoever has ears. Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. How do we stay with that burning passion inside of our hearts? Well, remember in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, he says, stay away. But there was another tree, remember? The tree of life. And they could eat of that tree as much as they wanted. And now, Jesus is the tree of life. And he says, my body is real food. And he invites us to come and feast on him, the living word. Church, I want to encourage you. Don't read your Bible because you have to. Go and feast on the Lord. I would encourage you to, some sportsmen are so into their protein shakes and their diets. And uh, Uncle Mark was telling me this new brat diet that he has to be on, bananas and apples and this and this, because that diet leads to this health. Well, I want to say church, The Word of God leads to spiritual health. We want that passion. Let's feed on His Word. I want to read and finish with the words of Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Bras are good, but that shouldn't be your primary spiritual input. The Word of God should be not with the the men around the fire, but with Jesus in His Word. Brows are good. Word of God brings life. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law, His word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Here's my prosperity preaching for the day. (laughs) You want to prosper? Meditate. Meditate is not emptying your mind. It's focusing your mind. The difference between milk and meat is chewing. So stop being a baby and just drinking the word of God. Someone else's devotion. Someone else's daily this, daily that. No, no, no. Eat yourself. Chew the word of God. Chew it. Chew it. There's nutrients in God's word. Begin to meditate on his word and the life of God is released into us. And so it can be through us. Amen? Amen. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. This Is the power of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we stand before you as a church who's just listened to a letter that Jesus wrote to a radical church. And Jesus, we thank you for this revelation. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to burn this revelation deep into our hearts. Jesus, we want to know you as the intimate one. Jesus, the one who holds us in the palm of his hand. Jesus, the one who walks among us as a church. Jesus, we want to know it, not in our heads, but in our hearts, so that we would reflect to the world the intimacy of Jesus. And Father, we want to come just like this church and repent before you today. Lord, if we've lost the passion and burning fire of being in love with Jesus, the Savior of our soul, The one who loved us so much, he would die. He died on the cross for us. Jesus, we want to come back to that first love. We repent right now. We want to get back into that place of doing what we do just because we love you so much. Friends, why don't you take a moment just in your heart. What do you need to pray today? What repentance do you need to make today? And if there's anyone here this morning who's never received the good news of the gospel. We are guardians of the gospel. We want to see the power of the gospel transforming your life. So if you're here this morning and have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and said, yes, Lord, to experience his love bursting into your heart, then I would love you to respond right now. Our eyes are closed, but if this is you, you'll know it because your heart is beating 180 beats per minute. Why don't you put up your hand right now? And we would love to pray with you. Is there anyone like that? Why don't you slip up your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive Jesus today. Is there anyone like that? Just never want to miss an opportunity. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now for those responding, those wrestling. I encourage you to pray. Pray a prayer. Surrender. We surrender our hearts to victory in Christ. Father, we surrender to the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Not my will, your will be done. We trust you, Jesus, because we love you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would radically save. We pray, Lord God, that we would be a church known primarily for our passionate love for Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for your incredible love. Thank you that your gracious hand rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people saying, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. We would love to pray for some folks. So if you put up your hand, if you need prayer for healing, why don't you join us right now on the red carpet? Otherwise, may the Lord bless you. There's tea and there's coffee. Let's fellowship together. God bless everyone. See you again soon. Amen.